Good morning, church family. What a joy it is to begin this day of worship in baptism and celebrating what God is continuing to do. Today, we get to baptize Reggie Yancey. A couple of weeks ago, he came forward, having been really just spoken to the Lord in the service and having the Lord tell him, you need to be obedient with baptism. And he said, he, he said, okay, God, if this is what I'm supposed to do, just take all of the anxiety and everything away. And he said, in that moment, the peace of the Lord just came over him. So he's coming today following through in obedience. He was saved years ago, but he's following through getting his baptism on the right side of his salvation. Reggie? Reggie, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I have. Then based upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Let's continue worshiping together as God continues to speak to us today.
glory. Great job, choir. What a way to start our day. And I even got in here changed in time, Kevin. That's amazing. Had time to spare. Um, it's, a great, it's a great day to be God's house. Great to see all of you. want to welcome you to First Baptist Church Pineville. We are glad that you have joined us today, those of you in person and those of you online. Thanks for being a part of our worship service today. If you're here, we want to make sure we get a record of your attendance. And so please fill out that connection card and the worship guide. We'll collect those later on in the service. And then if you have a prayer need, be sure to put those in there. We pray for those each week during staff meeting. And if you're a new guest, First-time guests, I'd love to meet with you. you. My wife and I would love to meet you back at the table, just right out these doors in the foyer. We want to give you a copy of my book, The Privilege of Worship, as a gift for you visiting with us today because we're glad to have you and we want to get to know you a little more. And, and as we have guests, you know, something big is coming up in just a few weeks. It's called... Easter, good. I'm glad you knew what's coming up in just a few weeks. And, and we're having two big Sundays. Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday are going to be really big. They're always really big. Uh, Palm Sunday, we're going to have special music. And then we're going to have our uh, annual church picnic. We're going to have food trucks this year and inflatables and all kind of cool stuff. And so it's going to be a great time. And then, of course, Easter Sunday, we'll have another great day of great music and, and preaching and everything. Both Sundays are great. And we want to make sure that we're ready because guests are going to be coming. And so at, at my request, Brother Thomas has put together a fantastic plan of expanding our first impressions team, our greeters. Uh, and here's some things that we need to recruit and put together. Four greeters before the worship service, six hosts that are going to help guide people around the campus. So if a guest comes and, and they need to know where to go for Sunday school, you'll walk them to that place. We need five additional parking attendants. We need three additional people to help at our preschool and children check-in stations so that uh, guests can come in and be assisted in that. If you could help out with that, we need you. And, and we need more than these 18 because we want to be able to create some rotation even for these folks. So if you could help with that, if you love meeting people and you love our church, we need you to help with first impressions. And this is not just for Easter. We're going to launch it Palm Sunday, but this is going to be something we continue to do for months and years to come. So if you're interested in that, please see Brother Thomas or you can email him. And there's also going to be a training on March 22nd at 2 p.m. over in 112 of the Cali building, and that'll be for the first impressions team. So I hope that you'll, you'll sign up for that. We want to make sure we do a really good job as we greet guests. We're looking forward to a huge Easter season this year. As we continue in worship today, would you go to the Lord with me in prayer and let's seek him together. Lord, you are so amazing and we're so grateful to be able to be in your house today and to be able to celebrate who you are and what you're doing. God, we're all a little weary today because of springing forward and some of us lost an hour or more of sleep last night. But God, we're here and we're invigorated by your presence and so we bring you all of the praise and the glory and the honor and we want you to be high and exalted as we worship today. Inhabit our praises, the inhabit the praises of your people today and Lord, be present among us. We welcome you into this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Church family, let's sing to the Lord together today. To God be the glory. Would you stand and let's sing together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his 
Please be seated. I love Pittsburgh, I really do. I love the narrative that makes up Pittsburgh. This is the city that built America and the world. Most people identify themselves with a building or with a religion. What is amazing is when we preach the true gospel, we preach relationship, not religion. We have united here with an army of church planners and wives and families who are together preaching Jesus all over the city. My first call was to plant a healthy, multiplying church here in the city of Pittsburgh. We knew that God was doing something that was bigger than us. And we started to ask ourselves, what could we do towards a citywide vision of, of seeing churches planted all over the city of Pittsburgh? And God began to open the door for that influence. When you have a team coming together, that's how our cities are gonna be changed. And so as we come into the city of Pittsburgh, you have a diversity of backgrounds, a diversity of people, new outsiders coming in, those who've been here generational for years and years and years, Pittsburghers who've um, gone through the, the steel industry crash. And in order for us to reach these people, we need a diversity of pastors. Those first three to five years are really tough for a church planner. And, and we wanna make sure that when a church planner comes into a new city, we try and equip them, not just with the friendships, with the brotherhood, with the coaching, but also with the financial resources for them to begin to reach people in their city because we truly believe we're stronger together. So when people give to missions, it's a game changer. This offering gives those church planners a generosity boost to get that mission up and going. And this generosity is truly changing lives. In so many regards, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering plays a role with us here in Louisiana this year. Rob Wilton, who you just saw in the video, is a graduate of New Orleans Baptist Seminary, and he grew up in New Orleans, and now he's serving as a church planner in Pittsburgh. Three of our mission trips this summer are partnering with North American Mission Board missionaries. Our local church goal is $17,000. I have no doubt that we can meet that or even exceed it. Would you join us together as, we, as you pray and see about giving to our Annie Armstrong Easter offering this year so that we may all be a part of sharing the good news of Jesus because Jesus wears the victor's crown. Amen? Let's stand and sing together. Heaven's angels all around My delight is found in knowing That you wear the victor's crown You're my help and my defender You're my savior and my friend By your grace I live and breathe to worship you At the mention of your greatness In your name I will bow down 
the cross, the work was finished. You were buried in the ground. But the pray. Holy and gracious, Heavenly Father, enthroned above, transcendent above all of us, and yet through Christ and your Holy Spirit, enthroned in our hearts, imminent, El Amanu, right with us, Father. God is with us. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful day. You're the very air that we breathe. You're the sun that we see. You are the light. Father, help us as we ask this day for your answers, and we seek, Father, your will. And we knock, Father, right now on the door of your heart. Father, open our hearts to be cheerful, to answer you, Father, with our gifts and worship you with our tithes and offerings. Thank you, Father, for the glory that you let go of to save us, and now you reign. We lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen. I would not have chosen the road I have been down. Left me so broken, I could not see. But into my darkness, God called my name out told me he was not finished with me i started with one step in front of the other as i learned to trust him without giving up that he had a purpose in each disappointment i look back and
sometimes the memories fight for my soul. That's when I stand up and make this confession. Not in my finances, not in my family, not in my job, not in myself, not in my talents, not in my abilities. My hope is in God. And that is what we get to celebrate as believers. And if you're not a believer yet today, I hope by, by the end of today, you will be. Please turn in your copy of God's Word to Psalm 5. The fifth Psalm, we're going to focus on just the first three verses this morning as we consider the message I've entitled, Pray with Expectation. This is the final message in our series, First Words. And uh, I, I suppose this is one of those series that could go on almost forever, but I'll be shifting to a uh, Easter series uh, next Sunday, which I should have named Last Words. I thought, man, we should have done First Words and then the Last Words of Christ, but we're not doing that this year. But we're ending up first words today, and the word that we're looking at is expectation. In this series, we've looked at several what we might call Bible words, sin, love, forgive, lead, encourage, and even last week, preach. And of course, we've already looked at the word pray. But some months ago, when I laid out this series, I was led to this word, 
expectation or expectantly. Now, not all of your translations will have that particular word in verse 3, and I'll address that later. But what captured my attention when I laid out this series and was looking at this particular idea was that we needed to pray with expectation. Praying and expecting God to answer. Now, you might have a ho-hum reaction to that at first. Say, well, sure we are. Sure we're supposed to pray with expectation. But do you ever want to give up on a prayer? Sometimes I want to give up on a prayer, especially the big ones. You know, sometimes when I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed for something that I know has got to be God's will, but the answer still hasn't come, I want to say, you know what, God? Never mind. Now, you may be more holy than I am, but that's just kind of where I land sometimes. I have prayers like that for our church that we've prayed for years, and we're just waiting for that to break through and, and come on. And, but perhaps the best example might be a personal example, because you know it personally. Now, we've been praying for our youngest son, Evan, to walk and talk for at least five years. Five years. He's about to turn seven in May. We've been praying that he'll walk and he'll talk. Many of you have joined in that prayer. And, and yeah, Evan pulls up and he stands up. But he still hasn't let go to walk. And he babbles. And sometimes words come out that seem like words. But he still doesn't talk We've prayed, we've fasted, we've spent thousands of dollars on therapy and prescriptions and whatever else might help, but we are still where we are. And sometimes I want to give up on that prayer. On Wednesday night after we both got home from church and had the boys in bed, Rebecca and I were sitting in our living room talking and was talking about this message coming up and I I said, hey, do you, you have any ideas for some illustrations or anything. You know, you wrote that great blog on Pray Bigger Prayers a few months ago. What, you got any ideas? And, and her reply was a question. She said, when are we going to have a breakthrough? When are we going to have a breakthrough? Rebecca was thinking about the, the same prayers personally and, and corporately for our church that, that I was thinking about. When are the big prayers going to be answered? Or should we just tell God, never mind? Do you have big prayers that you've prayed for? Prayed for for years? And they seem to be going unanswered? Sometimes do you want to give up on them? And Surely we all do if we're willing to admit it. Maybe it's a prayer for a relationship to be healed. Uh, Maybe it's a, a prayer for greater opportunity or financial provision. Maybe it's a prayer for physical healing or deliverance from some kind of addiction or oppression that's in your life. Or maybe it's, it's for God to finally save the person you wrote down as your one that you've been praying for for years and years. Do you ever want to say, you know what, God? Forget it. I'm sure you do. But then... Do you read a passage of Scripture or hear a message or hear a song and suddenly your faith is increased? 
And suddenly you decide, you know what, God, never mind how upset I was that I said, don't bother. Because I'm lifting that prayer to you again. You ever have those times? Well, that's what I hope that this message is going to be like for you today. When I first sat down writing this message, my opening statement was on my computer screen, when you pray, do you really expect anything to happen? And I was going to begin my, my message by talking about that, that we really don't expect anything to happen. And then I thought, you know what? No, we do expect something to happen. That's why we pray day after day and week after week and month after month and that's why we press on so that the challenge isn't praying with expectation the challenge is to keep on praying with expectation when the answer is slow in coming therefore I decided to begin with real life challenges of prayer and to then change my question from do you really expect something to happen when you pray to this how do you keep on praying with expectation? And I believe these three verses in Psalm 5 help us with that. This morning, we're going to glean four steps to praying with expectation. But before we get into these steps, I want to uh, make something clear. This is not a formula that makes God act. I don't want you to go home saying, well, I did these four things, now God's going to show up and show out. No, this is not a formula that makes God act. Rather, these are steps that prepare us for God to act whenever and however he does. God doesn't always move when we want him to. He doesn't always move how we want him to. And therefore, these steps help prepare us while we wait in expectation. Look at Psalm 5, verses 1 through 3. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you. And wait in expectation. How can we continue to pray with expectation? Well, first, we need to come to prayer emptied of pride. And notice how the psalmist comes to God in humility and surrender. There's no pride whatsoever on his lips. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for it is to you that I pray. The, the psalmist comes with sighs and groans. The word translated there as sighing is trying to capture a bearable, audible kind of uh, soul expression. The word captures the, the psalmist turmoil in prayer. This sighing is praying that begins with concern. You don't have the words. You're just broken. It's the, oh God, oh God, oh God, that we pray until we know what else to pray. It's the, Lord, I need you. I need you in this moment kind of prayer. You don't sigh for God's help when you're full of pride. When you're full of pride, you think you've got it on your own, 
But when you sigh, you are humbled, you are broken. Therefore, that is how we must come to God in prayer. We don't barge in and say, look here, God, this is what I want in Jesus' name. No. While we are to approach the throne of grace with confidence, we do so through and because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so that blood was shed for our sins so that we come to God redeemed yet humble. We don't deserve to be in his presence. We come in there by his invitation, by his making the way for us. So sinful pride gets us nowhere with anyone. And it especially gets us nowhere with God. For when pride walks in, God walks out. We must empty ourselves of pride. In verse 2 there, we see the psalmist saying, listen to my cry for help, my king and my God. You might have noticed a lot of my's mentioned in verses 1 and 2, and it might cause you to think, man, that's a lot of pride going on there. My, 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 my. But if you look closer, you'll notice that that uh, personal pronoun and idea there is talking about a covenant relationship. David says, you are my king. You're my God. These words give the prayer a, a firm footing, and the use of the word king puts David the king in the right place. You see, he accepts that he is a man under authority, even though he is a man of authority. He places himself under God. David may be king over Israel, but God is king over David. And so, if David, the anointed king of Israel, a man after God's own heart, came to God in humility, emptied of pride, then surely we must come to prayer in that way. Perhaps one reason we sometimes get so frustrated in waiting on God to answer is because we think we deserve to have our prayers answered. We treat God as a heavenly butler who is ready to do our bidding. All we have to do is ring a bell or snap our fingers and God is supposed to come to our aid. But we have it backwards. We are His servants, not He ours. He is the king. Anything God does for us, he does for us out of love for us. He answers our prayers because he wants to, not because he has to. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he answers our prayers according to that will. So even if we might be king on earth and bow our knee to no one, we bow our knee to Jesus. And when we bow our knee to Jesus, we bow low, very, very low. Humility is the spirit by which we come to prayer. And while we must certainly develop the habit of prayer, we also need to equally develop the spirit of prayer. When we do that, we find the relationship strengthened between us and God. We find that God answers our prayers not because we make him, but because he loves us. He is our king. He is our God. We're not strangers. We're his people. We're his children. We, he wants us to come into his presence. Even down in verse 7, the psalmist says, But I, by your great mercy, will come 
into your house. In reverence will I bow down toward your holy temple. He's coming in welcomed. We come into God's presence in reverence and humble and emptied of pride out of our love for God and because of his love for us. If you want to continue praying with expectation, you got to get empty of pride. But also we find that you need to come to prayer as a priority. In verse 3, the psalmist says, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you. This psalmist comes to God in prayer in the morning. It's the first task of his day, his first priority. And that's the point here, that it's first priority. Any time of day is a good time to pray. But for most of us, there are usually far fewer distractions in the early morning hours. In fact, there are so few distractions, I find that the early morning seems to move slower than the rest of the day. Because once the day begins, there is a whirlwind of activity, and the to-do list is long, and the people that call or text or email or see are, are busy, and sometimes I can't even do the one thing that I was thinking about doing because when I spin around on my computer to check the calendar date for what I was thinking about, I see three emails that I need to answer that then an hour and a half later, I come back to the original thing that I was going to do. The day just goes. And that's why we've got to find time to pray. Now, I know not all of us are morning people. There's a true story about a preacher who said he was determined to be in prayer in the early morning hours. And so he set his alarm and he got up extra early the next day and the alarm went off and he drug himself out of bed. He, he grabbed his Bible. He went in the living room. He knelt down at the couch. He opened his Bible. He bowed his head to pray. And an hour and a half later, his wife woke him up for breakfast. If that's going to happen to you, find a different time. <laughs> Not everyone can get up early. If, if you have a newborn at home who's waking you up several times a night, oh, you may be up earlier than most people, but there's not much energy to share in prayer. You're just like, take this bottle, please. If there are things going on that are keeping you up, work or whatever, it's hard to get up. But not everyone can get up early, but everyone can make prayer a priority. And so find time. Be creative with it. Get out and take a walk in the evening or, or turn off the radio in your car and pray while you're driving to work or uh, do something like that. You know, one of the beauties of, of living in our day and time with Bluetooth and all that kind of stuff is you can pray out loud to God and people don't think you're crazy. Drive down the road, dear God, I just, I just think you're talking on your phone. Pray, find a place of priority. Maybe just before bed at night, but make prayer a priority. It must be a priority, especially the busy we, busier we are. The reformer Martin Luther is famous for saying that one particular day he was so busy that he had to spend three hours in prayer before he started his day. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm like, if I've got a real busy agenda, I'm thinking, i got to say a little quick, help me, Lord, and get on with my day, right? But no, Martin Luther said, no, you got to stop and spend time with the Lord first, and then he's going to do something great. While studying for this message, I was looking through various books on prayer in my study, and uh, in one old book that I was given by Miss Grace Lee from her husband's library, I found this old bookmark, and I didn't even know it was in that little book, and on it, it's 
a, a, a poem called The Secret. And so I stopped and read it. And it said, I met God in the morning when my day was at its best. And his presence came like sunrise, like a glory in my breast. All day long the presence lingered. All day long he stayed with me. And we sailed in perfect calmness o'er a very troubled sea. So I think I know the secret. Learned from many a troubled way. You must seek him in the morning if you want him through the day. You want to know the secret of praying with expectation? It's coming to God in prayer as a priority. That it is important to you. And third, if you want to pray with expectation, you need to come to prayer prepared. There's something amazing mentioned in this verse. In the second part of verse 3, where he says, In the morning I lay my request before you, or some kind of translation like that. Now we read that and we probably picture the Wednesday night prayer list with 411 dozen lists of people with health issues and all of that kind of stuff. That, and that's what he's coming before the Lord. And that's not what that is capturing at all. I lay my request before you. That phrase is capturing in the original language an idea of sacrifice. The picture behind the words translated that is the laying down of the wood for the altar and then the laying down of the sacrifice on that altar before one sets it ablaze to lift it up to God in prayer. So we're to picture when, when David says, I, I lay my request before you, we're supposed to picture that faithful priest going to the altar and carefully laying the wood just as it needs to be. And then preparing that sacrifice and laying the sacrifice on the wood so that it's ready to go. And then lighting the fire and stepping back and allowing that prayer to raise to God. That's the picture of preparation that's going forward. We should enter prayer prepared. We need to know why we want to praise God in prayer. We need to know what sins we need to confess. We must know what we need to ask of him. And then we begin. Now certainly as we pray, God's going to guide us in other ways. But we must begin prepared. Otherwise, our prayers become just ramblings. Uh, Dr. Dan Crawford, who held the chair of prayer at Southwestern Seminary for many years and has written extensively on prayer, says that for many of us Baptists, our prayers sound a lot like some of the pre-written and memorized prayers of other denominations. He says, we stand up to pray and the stock phrases are everywhere and our prayers just sound like one string of cliche after cliche after cliche repeated mindlessly. And Dr. Crawford says we need to turn on our mind and we need to turn on our heart and then we need to pray. That we think about what we're saying. That we pray to God out of our relationship with him. And that's what David did. That's why all of these psalms are so rich and they're so varied. While, while certain themes might be repeated and, and certain ideas come out again and again. The psalms pulse with life instead of, of laying dead on the page. As something stale from a day gone by. The Psalms are alive because David laid out the wood. He laid out the sacrifice. And then he set it ablaze so that that prayer could rise to God. He was prepared when he prayed. 
And so must we be. What do we prepare? We're a lot of different things. We prepare our hearts for humility. We prepare our minds for focus. We prepare our praises for lifting. Our sins for confessing. Our intercessions for pleading. Our request for submitting. And even our hands and feet for action, if God calls us to that. And then we set that prayer ablaze and we lift it up to God. If you want to continue praying with expectation, you've got to come to prayer emptied of pride. You've got to make prayer a priority. You've got to come to prayer prepared. But fourth, if you want to come, if you want to see Prayer with expectation. You must complete prayer with pinpointed focus. Pinpoint focus in photography allows you to attain a precise focus on a very small area of an object. It's used when you want to capture the pistol of a flower or the detail on an intricately designed accessory. Our prayers need to be completed with pinpoint focus on one thing. And that is the answer that God will bring. Listen to the last phrase of verse 3 there. I will wait in expectation. Now your translation may be different. The ESV says I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. The King James says, I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. The New American Standard says, I'll order my prayer to thee and eagerly watch. The New Revised Standard says, I plead my case to you and watch. The Christian Standard Bible says, I plead my case to you and watch expectantly. You'll notice that most translations have the idea of looking up and watching, and it's with expectation. And that's because the Hebrew word there that the NIV translates expectation means to keep watch, to spy, to look, to scan, to examine. It has the idea of looking attentively, looking out, looking up. It is pinpointed, focused watching. And this is the word used by God's prophets in the Old Testament to watch and report the first time, first sign of God's answers. In Isaiah 21, 6 and 7, Isaiah says, This is what the Lord says to me. Go, post a lookout and have him report what he sees. When he sees chariots with teams of horses, riders on donkeys or riders on camels, let him be alert, fully alert. Go post a watch because the answer is coming. Micah 7, 7. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God my Savior. My God will hear me. Habakkuk 2.1 I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. If anyone prayed big prayers and expected big things, would you agree? The prophets did. And they prayed with expectation. And they finished their prayers with pinpointed focus, waiting and watching. Remember the story of Elijah? We looked at that last summer when he prayed for the rain to come. 
And remember he prayed and he sent out his servant to go see if God had answered yet. He said, go see if you see any rain coming. And the servant went out. He said, no, sir, not a thing out there. Elijah kept on praying. He said, go again. And so the servant went out again. He looked up and said, no, it's blue skies. Nothing, nothing extra out there. He prayed. He said, go check again. Three, four, five, six, seven times he sent the servant out until finally the servant came back and he said, well, I do see one little cloud the size of a man's hand rising over the sea. And Elijah said, well, we better get our umbrellas because the bottom's about to fall out. And sure enough, it did. We always look at the miracle that happened. Elijah prayed for rain and a drought, and it rained, praise the Lord. But we forget that they waited for the answer. And they had expectation in the waiting. If we want to continue praying with expectation, we've got to look up and watch. When we pray, there's a lot more happening than meets the eye. Just because you haven't seen God respond in the way you want or expect him to doesn't mean you're praying for nothing. It doesn't mean that he hasn't heard you. It doesn't mean that God's not gotten around to it yet. It doesn't mean that God doesn't exist. It just means you need to keep looking up. And you need to keep watching. Keep expecting. Keep on praying. Keep on crying out to the Lord because an answer will come. Let me encourage you in this. Any answer that comes is an encouragement to press on in prayer. Even the little stuff. I mentioned our personal prayer for our Evan to walk and talk. Well, you know what? The fact that Evan now stands up, holds on to something, and will do it one-handed, and does it as much as he can, and, and, and will let him to, is an answer to prayer that's coming. It's progress that helps us say, okay, God, we got him this far. Help him to let go and stand. And then help him to take a walk, step, and stand. Keep on going. The fact that he does babble unmistakable words sometimes. As recently as Wednesday night in choir, where the choir leader said, Anybody else hear that? Evan just said a real word. That helps us to keep praying. There's one babble that sounds like I love you or a name or something like that. And we say, Lord, help it keep coming. Unloose his tongue. Help him to speak. Help him to share. Sometimes it just takes one answer to help us press on in the others. One of the greatest prayer warriors I know just told me a couple of weeks ago saying, you know what, that God has answered this one prayer for me helps me press on in all the others. Don't give up praying with expectation. Expect God to move. You may want to give up. You may want to say, never mind. But don't you dare. Don't you dare walk away from the answer. Don't you dare walk away from the blessing. You stand and you watch with pinpointed focus. Because one day God's going to answer that prayer. One day he's going to come through. One day you're going to give him glory. And so until that day comes, you stand and you say, God, I'm watching. I'm expecting you to show up and to show out. This isn't about me, God. It's about you. So here is my prayer. And I can't wait to see what you're going to do through it. Pray big. Pray bold. Pray with expectation. Keep looking up. Keep standing up. Keep watching. Don't give up. That's what the devil wants you to do. You have faith in God, trust in God,
Be desperate for God. Lord Jesus, we come before you today lifting our prayers to you. God, we all have things that we have prayed for, it seems like, forever. And we pray, God, that you would embolden and encourage our faith today in, that, in our prayer life. Lord, that we might seek you more, that we might come before you broken and humble, that we might be divested of pride, that we might come prepared to lift up our needs before you. God, we know that it's to you, be the, to you that the glories do. We know that all of our hope can only be in you. All of these wonderful truths that we have sung about this morning. And so, Lord, we lay our concerns before you today, and we ask that you would bring an answer. Lord, embolden our faith. Lord, for those in this room or watching via the Internet, Lord, who don't have a personal faith in you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. So God, speak to their hearts right now. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, convict them and help them to know that they need a saving relationship with you. Help them to trust you today, Lord, by repenting of their sins and praying and asking you to be the Lord of their life. You know as well as I do, Lord, that there are no magic words, no magic formula. It's just simple faith from that person to you. And so, God, I pray that even as we're praying this prayer, they are praying that prayer, and their lives are being transformed. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that's with us in the way you speak to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.